everybody. Thank you for joining us for this special episode. It's episode 100 of Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. My name is Gabe Essel. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis Levi-Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Amazing. Could be, Excellent. Could be better. That's right. Yeah. Well, good. Well, 100 episodes. You know, we've made it. We're, we, we could practically be in syndication now. Yes. The we, same um, that's right. <laughs> that, that's when the real money starts coming. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Look yeah. out. Got Seinfeld money's coming. Oh. All right. So, um, you know, we realized that while some podcasts cruise right by these relatively modest anniversaries, even more never make it this far. So we're going to humbly celebrate episode 100 as an achievement in both our dedication and our unwavering desire to just shoot the shit about all things MLB and rock and roll. To celebrate, we're using this episode to start a countdown to the top 100 things we love about baseball and rock music. We don't know how many items we'll get through over the next hour, but we'll cover quite a bit of ground. We'll share things like our favorite live performances on a stage and historic moments on the diamond, the nostalgia of how things used to be and the advent of technology that changed the game, Though some of these items will be very personal, we know you'll be new- nodding right along with us as we take this journey. So while this is just episode one in our countdown series, it's episode 100 in our catalog. And whether this is your first episode, your hundredth, or somewhere in between, we thank you for tagging along. And let's have some fun out there. All right, so I'll go ahead and start. Um, we're counting down from uh, the bottom up, it, uh, it looks that way. And... Um, I, the theme for my um, my list is is gratitude. You know, so things I'm I'm grateful for in baseball. Some of it happened or and music. Some of it happened a while back ago, but a lot of it. We, we hear you moving down that that list. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> really I thought you were that, just so excited that you I'm really hit that down button. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. All right. Didn't know that was didn't know that was reverberating so much. But anyway, um, you know, I I'll, I'll start with the, the 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 first here. Um, I uh, I saw some heavy metal yesterday, and it was obviously classic metal. Uh, I saw Anthrax and Slayer at Riot Fest, but um, you know, I'm thankful for the last probably I would say ten years of heavy metal. I think it's been a pretty good time for it. Um, uh, it's kind of over the last 10 years, I've reconnected with heavy metal. Um, I was into it uh, when I was like, you know, and justice for all, like when I was like in fourth and fifth grade. Um, and then, you know, I always appreciated Sabbath and, and some other things, but probably about 10 years ago, um, I heard this band called The Sword that I, I know Levi's a fan of them. Um, yeah, yeah, and, we've talked about yeah, them on here before. We've talked about them on here before. Yeah, they're from uh, they're from Texas. And uh, I picked up their their first record uh, probably around the time it came out or so, maybe like 08, 09. And uh, I really dug it. You know, it really knocked me out. Um, I thought, obviously, it's, it's influence. Uh, it's been influenced by, you know, a lot of the greats. Um, you know, every... Every party metal record that I like over the last 10 years kind of has, you know, Master of Reality um, as its blueprint, you know, as it's as one of its main sources of inspiration. But that got me that got me into exploring a lot more bands in kind of the sort of stoner metal scene. Um, but I just think the last 10 years of heavy metal have been really good. Uh, obviously, I've talked about them on this show many times and through social media. Um, I've uh, I've got 
um, major figurative wood for um, for this band Lopan <laughs> um, out of Ohio. I think they're just fucking fantastic. If you haven't heard their latest LP, Subtle, pick it up. I think it's it's probably my favorite record of the year so far. Um, and and all their stuff is great, and they just keep evolving and they keep getting better. Um, I think the lead singer probably has one of the best voices I've I've heard in in years. Um, and uh, Torch as well as another band that uh, has really um, uh, meant a lot to me over the last few years. Um, their, their album, Harmonicraft, um, from 2012, I think, right around there, is, is one of my favorites. Um, one of my favorite records of the last 10 years, probably. Um, and then uh, also, you know, there's, there's um, some other bands, too, like that... Um, they kind of fit that bill. Um, there's a band I heard today called King Void. I don't know if you guys have heard them. They're really no. good. Yeah. Um, they just came up as a recommendation, like, on on my streaming service. Um, and also, you know, there's there's some new um, uh, some newer work from older acts. Like, Tool just put out a new record that I like a lot. Um, and they've always, you know, they've always um, uh, done innovative things. But yeah, big gap there. So, uh, in in their in their work uh, between the last album and this one, and then also um, you know Opeth, I think does interesting things. Um, I, I Lamb of God, Mashuga. Not that those bands are new by any means, but they're still they're they're putting out really good good work. I think, and I think that um, it really makes up for a really ugly period of heavy metal, like in the late nineties, the new metal era, early two thousands. Yeah. Late nineties, early two thousands, you know, when you had sort of your corns and your lip biscuits and Lincoln parks and, and then even it like, like the little softer side of it, like stained and shit. Um, yeah, all that stuff was pretty wretched to me. Um, and it was, it was painful to have people call it heavy metal even. Um, but uh, I think the last 10 years have more than made up for that with some some younger bands that haven't reached the popularity of some of those bands that I just mentioned uh, from the from the late 90s, but uh, that are still really making good music. And it makes me um, happy about the future of heavy metal, too. Yeah, I think the thing that, that has helped that scene the most is it seems like they... They have a greater understanding of like what their what their scene is and mm-hmm. like how to connect more with the fans. It seems like and right. like um, you know I think they all have like realistic heads on their shoulders to where they realize that no one's going to sell records the way they used Absolutely. to. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But like you can still like tour around and sell some albums and T-shirts and still make a living at it, and you know what I mean. There'll always be people out there that want to buy a black T-shirt, you know. So, yeah. Um, But no, on on that point too, Levi. I think about some of the older bands, you know, like like Slayer and Anthrax. um, They seem very comfortable in their own skin now, too. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was. Yeah, like they're veteran bands. They know what they're good at. You know, like um, you know, a lot of those bands, those those kind of titans of metal. um, You know, the big four. You know, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax. Um, all of them, like, at one point in time, like, tried to make kind of, like, I'll put this term in quotes, kind of grunge-sounding records when that was popular. You know, like, Megadeth put out a pretty shitty record, like, in the mid-late 90s. Um, you know, God, even, even like, Iron Maiden flirted with that a little bit, like, in, like, 92. Um, Anthrax as well. Um, 
but but yeah, I, I I think that all those veteran bands like now know what they're good at. Metallica, especially. I mean, I know I, I'm not a fan of Load or Reload, um, as as a lot of their fans aren't. Um, but you know, they put out that that uh, was it Wired record or what was it called? Uh, there was like Saint Anger. Then there was yeah, that one sucks. Was yeah. it like Death Magnetic? Yeah, which that one's better. And that then the one, one that was. And then the one uh, that came out just maybe hardwired to self destruct. Yeah, like within the last maybe that one came out maybe like two years ago. That one's that yeah. one's good, you know. It's classic sounding Metallica. So, um, you know, they they don't feel the need to reinvent themselves. They don't they don't have to, you know. And I, I'm glad it seems like all those those older veteran metal bands are comfortable, um, um, you know, just being who they are, you know. And, and it's good. The product's good. I mean, the, right. the last Anthrax record, Worship Music. I remember they might have one though. No, um, Kings it had Kings in the title, and I can't remember. They're good too, you know. When they got Belladonna back, and they're just like, "Hey, let's just be who we are," you know. Um, so yeah, good stuff. So good, good, good times for heavy metal. Yeah, item number one hundred. Yeah, top one go. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think uh, even uh, Torch they they made a uh, late night show appearance, I believe. So they're getting they some did. traction. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they were on something, uh, maybe Seth Meyers or something like that. Something, uh, yeah. Within the yeah. last, yeah, yeah. recently. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, I'm number 99, and uh, I'm going switching over to baseball, and uh, one of my favorite things about baseball is cream baseball uniforms. Not to confuse <laughs> with white baseball uniforms, nice. but cream baseball uniforms. Yeah. So these are... Obviously, uh, you know, the, these are the off-whites. This isn't the Dodgers. Uh-huh. This is the Giants. What the Giants will do, um, I think, with their, with their home whites. So visually, I think, you know, they make it uh-huh. – cream baseball jerseys make it look like you're watching this, the romantic era of baseball. I agree. Like it does – it, players just look so natural in cream jerseys, and and you're you're just waiting for like Gil Hodges to run out there. But granted, he was wearing Dodger white. But um, uh, so yeah, like the Giants and the the Phillies uh, pull off the creams. Um, even the Mariners did like a faux back, so like a fake throwback. Um, that was uh, a cream with their current logo, but their but their vintage colors, mm-hmm. uh, which is very interesting. Uh, and it's beautiful, uh, by the way. And I, I, there's just the softness to it that, you know, while I, I really do love Dodger whites and and, and all that, cream baseball uniforms just, they, they, they feel right. Like they're meant for baseball. Well, do, yeah, like in my head, I hate to say it, but like when I think cream uniforms, I think Cardinals. Because mm. it seems like right. for a long time back in the day, the Cardinals had them, oh, yeah. and then yeah. they would occasionally they'll whip them out for the throwbacks. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the it, old school, the birds on the bat and the cream and dude. Uh, I, I, and I'm I'm I I know it's 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 fun to you know see the Cardinals not do well because they've done well for so <laughs> long and and uh, but um. Uh, their 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 jerseys that they've been using lately that the cream ones with that say St. Louis on them instead of oh. Cardinals, I I think those are the some of the best jerseys I've ever seen. Hmm. Really? Yeah, yeah, there you go. yeah. I'm going there. They're they cream colored and they're they're away jerseys then or they're home jerseys. You know, I I don't know for sure if they wear them home or away. Uh-huh. Um, 
And I also don't know for sure if they're historically accurate. I, I, I don't know if this was actually a uniform that they wore back in the day um, or if it's just something that, you know, they extrapolated from, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals and creating a script font for St. Louis. But um, it, it, it's like on I'm on Fanatics right now. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. advertised as an alternate jersey as an alternate. So not yeah. necessarily a throwback. So, yeah. yeah so it's got a retro look to it, but it, yeah. I think it's an alternate yeah. jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I saw a reference on UniWatch, which is a great website, UniWatch.com. <laughs> He's also got an ESPN art uh, column. And uh, he was talking about some, not just this Cardinals jersey, but others. And apparently they have people in the front office who are very cognizant of, of um, uh, jerseys and, and um, you know, what, what makes a beautiful jersey. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to create this out of the blue. But um, uh, regardless, yeah, I, I think it's, it's wonderful. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. Number, uh, number 99. Well, yeah. Um, Number 98 for me is, uh, it's easy. It was the first way that I was able to carry music around, and that was cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, my first portable music, and uh, it, it was also one of those things to where it was probably the only thing that got me through mowing my yard like every four days in the summer when I was a kid. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I would just strap on the headphones, throw in a tape in the Walkman. And um, I'll never forget the first the first Christmas I was like into tapes. I, you know, like because at that point I hadn't really owned any of my own records. I had some 45s and a little 45 player that was like handed down to me for my sister. Uh-huh. But but tapes were like the first way I was able to like buy music I wanted. And so, um I'll never forget. I got that first Christmas on tape. I got MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, EMF Schubert Dip. Uh, what else? And then I don't I know, Levi. Like, this this list sounds kind of unbelievable to me. <laughs> yeah. But then oh no, the other one was great. Like the other one was, I think it was like Garth Brooks or something. Like oh, yeah. it was like. Was it, it was what was just, it? No fences, Garth Brooks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or the first one. I can't remember, but fresh cas- horses. Like cassettes right? to me were just like one of those things where it was finally like ah, like I have music that I actually like. Like I, I don't just have to listen to the radio on my Walkman or whatever, you know. It so was those, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a liberating time. <laughs> those were your first cassettes, right? Yeah. Dead. Yeah. Jonathan, your first cassette was White Snake. Yeah, yeah, White Snake. All right, mine was David Lee Roth, Eat 'Em and Smile. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll also admit to Brian Adams waking up the neighbors. That was one of my first cassettes too. <laughs> oh, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, so, Levi, do you remember the Walkman that you had? Oh yeah, it was an actual Sony, and um, believe it or not, it's still at my mom's house somewhere. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, who knows if it still works? Like the little rubber bands inside are probably all dried out. But um, yeah, it it, it like, like that was the thing with electronics of like the late '80s, early '90s. Like if you bought decent brand stuff like Sony back then, it seemed like that stuff would last forever. Basically, mm-hmm. the the one of the worst things that 
you know, that happened to a lot of those was like people would leave batteries in them for like a long time. And then the next thing you know, you go to use it and like the battery. It's like sizzling. Yeah. Like (laughs) the compartments like full of like all the corrosion and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, the sweatshops back then just had higher standards. All right. I mean, come on. Right. Sony had their shit together. Yeah, and I think right now they're they're celebrating the uh, 40th anniversary uh, with a uh, a big display in Tokyo uh, of all of the Walkmans. Nice. Oh yeah. yes, they're like a, it's a total collectible thing now. There are certain oh, yeah. Walkmans that are worth like hundreds of dollars. Sure. Especially if you have like the packaging, they could be worth like a thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. There's a there's a market for pretty much everything. But remember, like, you, it, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just gonna seem like in the last 15 years, like electronics have become collectible. It seems like worldwide, whereas at one time, like collecting old electronics was kind of maybe just kind of like a USA thing. I think, but I hmm. think over time now, it seems like whether it's anything U.S. or Japanese, like everything's going to every country. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are people in the USA ordering old Japanese electronics to collect and have here. And then there are people buying, you know, stuff from here that was made here in electronics to have overseas. You know what I mean? It's just neat how it's become like this huge worldwide thing about vintage electronics. Do you remember Walkman had like this line that was like they they went everything yellow for a while? Oh, Do you yeah. remember that? The, like they that sports. Yeah, yeah, the sports. Yeah, yeah right. Because yeah. they had the oh, Gary yeah. Hoey guitar song on the uh, on the commercial, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, yeah. Summer yeah. song, I think it's called, or summer tune. That's yeah. yeah it's like because <laughs> nothing says sports like school bus yellow. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, in the in the late eighties, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what explains the the cassette comeback? Who knows, man. That to me, I think part of it is a generation that that you know what I mean that grew up with no real physical format. You know what I mean? We were always tied to a format. Whether you know the people a, a little bit older than us were tied to records, we were tied to cassettes then cds uh-uh. and then i think this younger generation never really latched on to cds ever yeah so i think in their eyes this is like a neat way to have physical music and yeah. it's all it's always been one of the most affordable ways to get your music out there you know what i mean you can you can rip off and dupe cassettes for a lot cheaper than you can you know making seven inch records and handing them out I mean, true, true. Yeah, no, yeah. No you one, can't it, cut it a seven. It used to be all yeah. about the CDR, but no one's handing out CDRs anymore, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the only bad thing about cassettes growing up was like if there were songs on the cassette that you didn't like, like you know, always like getting the fast forward oh, yeah. right and the weary right. And supposedly right. there was some functionality that would fast forward it to the very next no, track. I have but it. I have it. Yeah, yeah. No, it works. It, I yeah. have a. Uh, I have a Yamaha tape deck that in yeah. like 1988 was probably like $750. Right. And so, yeah, it does it, man. You can hit, I forget what they call the technology on it, but you can hit it to where it'll go to the next track. Yeah. And basically what the technology does is it looks for like 
like low signal level on the tape. Sure. So, you know what I mean? It looks for a break in between the songs. So if you were listening to like a dead tape or a live tape, it might not work that well. Yeah, right. Levi, Levi, you've got like um uh like in the movie Wall Street, Charlie Sheen had like like a kick all like that kick ass stuff from nineteen eighty five. Like you've 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 got you're like Charlie Sheen's like condo in, in Wall Street for all your equipment, I'm dude. To work on, yeah, I've got the corporate elements of Charlie Sheen and American Psycho into the greatest stereo system ever assembled. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. Levi, dude, Levi's, Levi's right out of Manhattan in 1987. Right? <laughs> Talking on a huge phone. And like, right? If the shit still works, why not? Like, like, he's got like a suit on with huge shoulder pads. He's like, talking on a phone. Having lunch at the Four Seasons, you know. Right? <laughs> a little bump on his nose right there, you know. Right? <laughs> Can I talk to you guys about some penny stocks? You know I mean? <laughs> right, right. Uh, <laughs> Long Island News. Uh, um, insider trader Levi Leach arrested today on um, insider trading charges. So, anyway, sorry. I'm just playing a whole scene in my head now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> of, like, of like Ted Koppel announcing your arrest or something, Levi. So, anyway, yeah. I'll stop there. I've, I've created a whole film now. Jesus. <laughs> no, I think we should derail this and just start to work on the script. Right. right. <laughs> uh, so a quick question, last question about cassettes. Do you know, do they still make in-dash cassette players for cars? I think that's gone, man. Yeah. Do you think that that's how we start to make our thousands? <laughs> right. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Let's get that hipster money. Yeah. The, like it. uh, it, it's really hard to get a brand new car with a CD player nowadays. I don't know if you tried, but yeah, yeah, we did a couple years ago. Yeah, it's tough, man. Like none of the Toyota. I have a 2018 Camry Hybrid, and um, like none of them on the lot had CD players. Wow. And if you wanted to get one, it was going to be like another because it was part of some package that was like three grand, and it's like, well. I don't yeah, need a $3,000 right. CD player. Yeah. yeah. And then they're putting like a six disc changer in your trunk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's no fun. Yeah. Nice, nice choice. Cassettes. Cool. So, Gabe, you're up for number 97, I 97. think. Ah, okay. All right. 97. Um, Tricking the ball down the field. Gosh. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to. Um, this one, this one will, I, I'm not going to spend long on this one, but um, just going up my list. Uh, it seems like, you know, growing up, uh, we didn't hear a lot about players' struggles with mental health, you know? Um, and I feel like now there's uh, a, well, there's still a, you know, cliche, a long way to go with it. Um, I feel like there's, we've seen over the years, like, more players mentioning that and um, that there's maybe a little more comfort in coming out about that. And, you know, you see players taking time off or, you know, dealing with depression and anxiety and, and, and just being, I guess, maybe a little more forthright about those things. Um, and uh, I think that's good. Good to see. I hope it, um, I hope it um, leads to more acceptance, you know, I know that's kind of a, you know, sort of a little more of a somber topic on the list, but um, a guy I thought about that 
that was one of the first people to do that um, that I recall, at least in recent years, although I'm sure there were others. But um, I don't know if you guys remember that guy that, that played for the Padres and he played for the Cardinals for a little while named Khalil Green. Do you yeah. guys remember that guy? Yeah. 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 Good mane. Kind of good looking kid, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Interesting guy. He's um, he's also God. I'm gonna butcher the title, but there's a temple up like in Evanston or Skokie, I think. He's um, is it Baha'i? I think. Um, uh, yeah, he's that's he's what belong- uh, Seals and Croft for. Yeah, he belongs to that religion as well. So he just always seemed like a fascinating dude, and he kind of like the mental health thing kind of derailed his career. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know if he was. That vocal about her, just I, I remember hearing about the story, and it you know it kind of was some of his undoing while he was playing. Uh, so I'm glad now that like you know a few years later, because he he was only in the league for a handful of years, um, uh, and he had like a good rookie year and then kind of tapered off after that. But uh, I'm, I'm just glad to I'm glad to see it, glad to hear it because mm-hmm. uh, it uh, it is uh, it's it's good for good for the game and good for the players. Oh yeah, yeah. It's always good anytime like I don't know, like bullshit machismo walls can get knocked down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. For so long it was like totally taboo to talk about anything emotional as a baseball player. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh I I, I hope that you know that is that is fading. Um it's probably not totally where it needs to be. There's probably people that still get flack for it or maybe feel feel like they can't be that transparent about it but uh i'm glad that uh starting to we're starting to see um some more progress in that area yeah i mean not, and not just with yeah not not just in baseball but sure you know, not general life you know people yeah. just talk about it like an illness like it's any other that, that sure. you need to address and and not be ashamed of and and uh of course here in kansas city the uh, one that comes to mind is uh, zach grinke you know he, he yeah, took absolutely he took a lot of time off uh he missed a lot of the um it was it oh six season uh, uh, battling, you know, as a uh, social anxiety disorder. And mm-hmm. I think he was diagnosed with depression and, and, uh, in a couple of years, he won the Cy Young award, um, after that. So it, it really goes to show, you know, what, you know, you, you just pause, take a step back uh-huh. and, uh, you know, gather yourself to put it very, very generally. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, people, you know, the teams, the franchise is waiting for you when you want to come back and mm-hmm. and uh, not a day sooner than you're ready. And and I paid off an aces quite literally for for the Royals. Um, so it was and, and Grinky, I've always found uh, to be one of the more fascinating players in baseball, certainly one of the more cerebral um, mm-hmm. uh, coincidentally. I don't know. Um, and uh, I've always always rooted for him as a result. Like I root for those players more that show that depth of character mm-hmm. um, than I do just, you know, the, the guys who are <laughs> kind of your, your, your square jawed, you know, taking a one game at a time. But when Grinky, you know, takes a step back and he opens up a little bit, yeah, it's hard not to root for him just all, all the more. Yeah. I've always liked him as well um, for, for that reason. Seems like he just uh, a, a little, I don't know seems a little more human than some of the others, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that Khalil Green, I, I just read, I, I mentioned him a minute ago. He was actually even um, had issues with cutting himself, too. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So he's been through a lot. He also writes hip-hop lyrics in his wow. time, according to his Wikipedia Jeez. page. So 
so yeah, um, I, I hope if he's, you know, obviously he's been away from baseball for a while, and I think he's fairly quiet, but I, I hope he's doing well because I always think about him when I when I hear about mental health issues in the game. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good choice. Good mm. choice. Uh, so uh, in a uh, not so elegant segue, uh, <laughs> number number right. ninety six. Uh, I'm switching back over to the rock realm, and uh, uh, mine is. Uh, getting a crush on a song, so that's one of my ah. favorite things in in music. Uh, is I, I don't know if if you guys have experienced this like I have, but um, where you 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 hear a song and you just can't wait to listen to it again. And not, I mean, I want to say it's different than like a top forty way. It's 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 in this way that you know it's not the hook necessarily. It's just something more deeply ingrained in the song mm-hmm. that, that, that speaks to you. And, and, um, uh, and it might be a new song. Like I remember when uh, my morning jacket, uh, my morning jackets album Z came out, I think it was Z, uh, Dun Dante that, that uh-huh. finishes uh-huh. off that record. Dun yeah, Dante yeah. just like, it slayed me for two weeks. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's fleeting at the same time. So it's a crush, right? Like, like crushes right. don't stay right. crushes. They evolve. Right. And so you know it's fleeting, and you just have to appreciate those listens because you aren't you know you aren't going to have many of them before it becomes a song you still like, but you just don't like it in the same way that you did like the first say a dozen times you heard it. Um, and uh, uh, I, this has also happened to me with old an old song, um, uh, Led Zeppelin's Physical Graffiti. I listened to that like. Uh, more than any other album in like 2004, I think it was like, like that was at the top of my year end list was, was physical graffiti. But in the light was was the song that I I grew the crush on, and um, I still feel it every now and again when when I hear it. But uh, yeah, there were several months there when when in the light just absolutely slayed me. So uh, uh-huh. did you guys ever experience this with with any songs? Yeah, I I feel like I fall I fall in love for with songs or like, you know, the first time you hear something really good that you're just like, wow, and you need to hear it again and again and again uh-huh. and again. Um one of those is uh, you know, over the last year or two was a song and I'm trying to remember where I I heard like a clip of it in a commercial. But it's a song called Burning Soul by a group called the soul blenders and Hmm. it's like all i could find out was like it was a 45 that got released like at some point in i think the 2000s but it was like i think a reissue of like a lost recording because it sounds like it's from like the 60s and and it's just like straight ahead just kick-ass soul with the horns driving and stuff and um yeah, the first time I heard that clip, like, I'll do that. I'll hear a little bit of a song somewhere. And then I'll be like, man, I got to hear that song again. What was yeah. that song? So then yeah. I'm like g- Googling, typing in the one sentence I can remember, trying to find the lyrics. Then I'll find what it is. And then I'll just drown myself in that song for like a week straight. Not like nice. It's not like yeah. the only thing I listen to for a week straight. But you know what I mean? Like, I will listen to it quite a few times a day. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that was that's definitely one of the ones of the last and another one that happened. Uh, I'm I'm man enough to admit this now. I'm almost forty. Uh, I was in a grocery store in Colorado when we were on vacation, 
and I heard the littlest clip of it don't mean nothing by Richard Marks. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, dude, that song I never really noticed. It kind of sounds like the Eagles or whatever. And sure as shit, if you look at it, he's part of the Eagles are on it. And so yeah, hmm. I I fell in love with it, and I had to hear it for like a week straight, like three <laughs> times a day. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, it just happens. Yeah. yeah, you don't try to explain it; no, just roll yeah. with it. You just gotta feed it. Oh, yeah. And that's always the best, though, because like, I, you know, you don't always connect that deep with certain songs or right. albums. And right. anytime you can, it's just like, wow. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Recognize well, what's it. one of yours, Gabe? Um, lately, ah, uh, gosh. Or it could be all time. Like a song you just remember you had to listen to like over and over. It could be live if it's like a certain live Crows cut. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. What, what was what was the Crows tune you would go to at at, uh, at Western Illinois after a long day? You, you got to queue up. Um, gosh, it's kind of it's, it's it might be a one that you might not expect. Actually, better when you're not alone. Um, That's a good I, tune. Uh, I really love that song. It's uh, I've mentioned it, I think, before when we've talked about them, just how underrated of a tune I think it is in their catalog. It's certainly one of their simpler tunes, um, um, lyrically, you know. Uh, but yeah, it just really works for me. Um, I uh, I love uh, I love Mark's solo in it. I love the uh, the the congas that come in, you know. Um, yeah, it's just such a such a good tune. So that that was probably that's a my that's a go to for me. Um, like one of the, I'll listen to the song sometimes rather than the whole record, even though that's one of my favorite records of all sure. time. Sure, sure. You know, yeah. I'll, I will put on that tune. Um, so yeah, that that that's that's that, that's one. Um, uh, there's a guy named Todd Snyder. I did fuck you guys know who he is. Um, he uh, he has a song um, called "The Devil You Know." That when it came out, I listened to the shit out of it. It's 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 he's got it's the title track from the record of the same name. Um, it's from like '06, maybe something like that around then. And uh, it's just such a good story. It's such. Um, he just like really says it at like a, a breathtaking pace, you know, like uh, or it's not breathtaking pace, but just a really, really rapid pace, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, he's uh, it, yeah, it's just that that's that's another one that I, I, I go to quite a bit. Like I was looking at when like I stopped looking at I when I stopped like using iTunes, I noticed that, um, you know, that was like the song I played the most, I think. Sure. Like after yeah. one on my count, yeah. you know, I like. Yeah, I yeah. played it. Oh, sorry. Breathless was the word I was looking for. I said breathtaking. Totally different. Um, yeah, it's a very breathless. It's a very breathless pace. Uh, the song mm-hmm. is. So, um, yeah, give it a spin. Right on. I will. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, good All deal. right, Levi. So, yeah. What are we like? Ninety five. Ninety five. Top. Right. Top yeah, one hundred. Um, yeah. I think. I have to mention. May it forever rest in peace. One of the things I loved the most about baseball was my Benito Santiago Cubs jersey. <laughs> and, and I have talked about this, you know, I know I've mentioned this at least once in one of the episodes. And just like, you know, for all the listeners out there, we've talked about some of this stuff over the years before, I'm sure. Um, but A, how I got it was... <laughs> 
not, not the proudest moments, but skipping school a lot when I was supposed to be in DeVry and going to Cubs <laughs> games during the day. And uh, after one game, it was the year Benito Santiago was on the Cubs, where it may have only been like a half a year. I don't even know if he was on there a full year. But uh, um, after- he, he, he was on there for... Uh, yeah, just the 1999 season, 109 games he was on the Cubs. And so, yeah, after one of the games one day, we're leaving and we're, you know, out on the street back behind the bleachers and a guy has a cardboard box full of Benito Santiago jerseys (laughs) with, with the sewn on letters. Like, like, it's like, these are the real jerseys. And he's like, ah, Benito Santiago jerseys, 25 bucks piece. And I'm like, <laughs> like, hell yes, give me a Benito Santiago jersey. Man, he was all in on Benito. And so, because they were $25 too. Like, even at that time, real jerseys were still probably like 100 bucks. Or oh, something. yeah. If, if not cost. more, yeah. Yeah. And so, so, like... I wore it for years, you know, he, he was gone, like, you know, within the, the next season. And, but like, I wore it proudly for years. And, and one time I let a friend, like a friend wanted to go as a baseball player or something for Halloween. And I let him wear it. And then I never saw it again. And then I like, it was one of those friends that you like, just never see again. You stop hanging out. And so, yeah, I never got it back. Dude. Oh, bummer. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, by Benito Santiago Cubs jersey. Was it so number strange. zero? Was it number zero? I don't remember what his number was. Um, It looks like on the Cubs he was number nine. I was going to say okay. nine. I thought it was nine. Because he, yeah. he, he had zero nine. for a while. Um, I, according no, to baseball reference, he was nine for most of his career. Though he okay. did have other numbers. I don't see zero. Okay. Either. All right. I thought he was a zero. He had he did it for a while. Guy, guy played so, so long. Like any time I would see someone stick, like a catcher stick their leg out, I'd be like, oh, they're doing the Benito. Oh, oh, when he's squatting down to receive the catch. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, right. like right. he would yeah. do that all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it, it's, it's funny because that was his age 34 season. He was with the Cubs. So. It's not like he was fresh off the Padres, you know, four-time All-Star. Uh, yeah. And so somebody may have thought he, that he, he was, was still a He was a grizzled <laughs> veteran. And well, what's funny is, like, we were into, like, grizzled veteran catchers. Because not long after him, we had Jason Kendall for a while, too. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. Like, yeah. like it was, like, kind of mandatory that you had to be, like, a grizzled veteran to be the catcher for the Cubs for a while. Santiago played until he was age 40, which is a long time for a catcher. He played with the Royals in his age 39 season in 2004. Wow. I could um, not have told you that. <laughs> yeah, he no, I don't remember him on Kansas City at all. No. He, he batted 274 that year, uh, which is uh, an OPS plus of 91, so just below average. 274, so, yeah, that might that's like Babe Ruth for a catcher, you know? Yeah, age yeah. 39? Come on, man. Yeah. Maybe was he was he not the starting catcher that year? Oh no, he he only caught forty nine games. Okay, or okay. played in forty nine games, I should say. Yeah. Right, right. Cool. Yeah. So ninety four, Gabe. All right, um, here we go. Da, 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 da. All right, I'll use the the uh, the mouse so you don't uh, <laughs> hear my. Uh, scrolling okay um yeah you know uh my my next one is 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 
sort of a local thing or local for for us, I guess, from where we're growing up. Um, uh, I like the fact that there seems to be kind of a growing live music scene, um, at least in terms of the artists that can book in central Illinois. Um, I think that Springfield's a little behind, but I think Peoria and Bloomington uh, are doing, you know, some really cool things. Like a, a couple of venues have opened in Peoria um, that, that, that are booking national touring acts. And then you've got the castle theater in Bloomington, which like the bands that they're pulling in, like, I'm like shocked. I'm like, damn, like, like Courtney Barnett's playing there in a few months. Hmm. Uh, like the war on drugs played there last year, or the year before, um, you know, central <laughs> Illinois really needed a venue like that. And it they did. were smart to step up as the town to do it. Absolutely. You know, I mean, Springfield had the opportunity. They could have probably done it too, but um, yeah, right. Cause all those cities are about the same size. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted- Springfield does get some national acts. We just had, uh, the old 97s and, um, who, who was with them? I can't even remember now. But it was like two, it was, you know, I mean, the old yeah. 97s are pretty big for Americana. Yeah, right. Yeah, Rhett Miller. Um, yeah, so I, I, it's it's cool to see. And then also some people we know, you know, that um, are, are bringing in some kind of Americana acts to, to towns by us as well. Uh, the Springfield Red Beer, early Red this Beer summer. Parade. Oh, sorry. I was going to yeah, say go uh, early this summer, Springfield had the Dirty Dozen Brass Band for free downtown. And it was nice. excellent. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's, it's good to see. I, I forgot what the name of the venue is called in Peoria. Um, uh, I think Marcus King band played there fairly recently. Oh, um, is it the smaller, not like the Peoria civic center? Obviously. No, 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 it's not that it's not the theater within the civic center either. Okay. No, no. Um, this is, this is a different place, but, um, yeah, I sh- sorry. I should have looked it up, but, um, but yeah, the castle theater is, you know, gosh, some of the accent like magpie salutes played there. You know, Mother Hips. I think Jason Isbell played there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's 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 really cool that they're. Um, I think Saint Vincent maybe even might have played there. Wow. Um, maybe don't quote me on that one, but I mean, obviously Bloomington or Normal, it's got the biggest college, you know, a bigger college than either of those other two cities have. So maybe that that makes sense. You know, you got a big state school there. Um, whereas, you know, Springfield doesn't have a college of that size and Bradley isn't that large either, but still, yeah, it's just, it's really cool to see. Um, I think Kenny's West side pub. Is that there we go. Yeah. Kenny's West side pub. Yeah. Marcus King band played there like earlier this year. Never heard um, so yeah, really, really cool stuff going on in a couple of those towns. So yeah, the riverfront Peoria gets some really good. Yeah, acts, right. Yeah. And there then, we go. Um, yeah. Coming up this fall at UIS here in Springfield at the Auditorium, we have Joe Bonamassa, uh, Vince Gill is coming, and uh, Boz Skaggs. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, there's some... The acts are there. It's just a matter of getting people to come. (laughs) Right, right, sure. Right. It seems like, you know, the Castle Theater probably can get can get some of the younger acts. You know, like, obviously, you know, they're, they're getting Courtney Barnett. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. Um, yeah, never thought like, oh, I might, I might drive down to Normal for a show, you know, which I probably won't, but <laughs> yeah, but nonetheless. So, 
So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's encouraging, and it, it and it's it's an uphill battle though. I mean, with Chicago and St. Louis right there, Indianapolis sure. on one side, I guess Quad Cities on the other side. That's it's not an easy get to no, uh, no, to make a band not. think to stop. Yeah, um, yeah. Springfield, Springfield's concert days, you know, were were better back in the day, you know, so to mm-hmm. speak. Seventies mm-hmm. yeah. and eighties, yeah. Um, so and then kind of really, I think when we were growing up, um, those were probably some of the some of the the more dormant years for it. I mean, we had a few. Um, didn't but, didn't a fog hat play the in Petersburg um, in outside Petersburg at the did. Uh, Jamboree or something? Yeah, like Head, e- Head East played there too. Head yeah. East, yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember I drove to Auburn, Illinois once to see the Dave Nelson band. Well, was, from um, New Riders of the Purple Sage. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. which was kind of different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. I mean, it seems like there there can be like some DIY efforts, you know. Um, yeah. If you look at you know what um you know, what it, it's I mean I, I guess there's a concert space attached to it now, but uh, I mean look at what they were doing up at the Jonathan mentioned the Quad Cities uh, with the Day Trotter stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's happening in Rock Island. So neat, you know, it's it's really neat. I, and and uh, there's a there's a venue about an hour north of the Quad Cities, I think, um, that it's it's this it's like this farm, farm estate, right? barn, yeah. and Connor yeah. Overs was playing there. He may have already played there, and they've got wow. lots of big acts. Uh, yeah, Bonnie Vare played there, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It looks like a beautiful place. It's just a pain in the ass to get to from here. Right, right, <laughs> oh, right. Go. <laughs> but yeah, so that's cool. I mean, that yeah, yeah. If if those folks can make it work, more yeah, more power to them. Yeah, it's good. Real love. Yeah, keep yeah. up the good work. Right. So yeah, Central yeah. Illinois resurgence in music, the music scene in Central Illinois. All right, number ninety four. So uh, number ninety three. Uh, I'm going uh, back to baseball here, and uh, this harkens back to my ages. Oh, probably eight to twelve. Uh, about every month I would, uh, in the mail, I would receive a catalog known as Manny's Baseball Land. And I don't know if you guys received this, but um, no, I don't think a lot of people did. No, um, I had never heard of it until I saw it on your list. And then I did a little research and was like, well, how did I miss this? Right? Yeah. Oh, man. I would relish every edition that came in, even though they were hardly <laughs> different one from the next. <laughs> right. And uh but the, the, it, just flipping through it you know you you would you would spend your allowance in so many ways and uh in in theory you would be like oh should i get a hat or should i you know <laughs> should i save up for a jersey should yeah. i get a caricature shirt um uh but but what i found uh kind of the most fascinating thing that i never really pulled the trigger on were the minor league baseball hats that were just fascinating uh, oh, I remember that. Uh, yeah, because, yeah. you know, it was the lug nuts and, and all those teams that, yeah. that had these really yeah. unique look. Yeah. 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 And they were so much fun to uh, to look at. Um, but then, uh, I mean, you would finally place an order. And I forget. I think you would, like, phone in the order and... Uh, Get it, like, two years later. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what it felt like. It was seven to ten business days or whatever. And, like, every day. Because, inevitably, you would order it during the summer, you know, when right. you're just home all the time. And you're just, like, as soon as you hear that mailbox, 
you know, shut at like 11 a.m. You're running up there to see if it was there. And no, it's not there. It's only been like a day. Yeah. I mean, you can't track it, you know, like, right. like you can't now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so finally, yeah, two weeks would pass and it, and it would come and it would be the greatest thing. It would be Christmas in July or whatever. Right. And and um, eventually Manny's baseball land was, I think, swallowed by it wasn't East Bay. Um, there was another larger catalog out at the time, and it just occurred to me. Otherwise, I would have researched this. And and so I might have to look that up. I did find one link to somebody scanned an entire catalog from like 99 on their Flickr account. And uh, and that that's way after me. Um, you know, I think I stopped receiving it when, by the time I was in high school mm-hmm. uh, for that. So um, uh, but I might have to do some digging. Do you remember uh, anything specifically you ordered from there? Uh, a Red Sox hat. Yeah, I got, I got the Red Sox hat with, um, it was... Because this would have probably been the time when you couldn't find a Red Sox hat at the mall or something, right? Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like... Um, it, yeah, there, there were there no, was no lids. lids. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and I remember it was, uh, this would probably tell what year it was, but, so it was a fitted Red Sox hat. So, you know, like, I had my mom, like, measure my head and... <laughs> and uh, um, uh, and then it came with a gold medallion. It was right after they started putting the, uh, MLB PA logo or oh, the MLB. Back. Logo yeah. Back. No, the, yeah. They, they started doing that in like the mid nineties, early mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And, but they had an anniversary golden, or I should say a bronze anniversary pin that you could put over that. Um, and, and I forget what anniversary it was. I would have to do that research as well. Um, and uh, uh, so, so that would tell what year it was. But yeah, that that was probably one of the. Um, I haven't thought about that pen in twenty years <laughs> until oh, right oh, now, <laughs> and I wonder where it is. But um, and that for some reason, like that Red Sox hat, I never really wore. I didn't like the fit of it. Um, it, it was really big in front, you know, yeah. like yeah. Right. And um, I probably should have like to- like some people would cut out the um, the backing and the front that made it really stiff. Oh yeah, sh- yeah. You know? um, I should probably go home and do that. I still do have it in my my childhood bedroom, um, uh, just gathering dust in practically <laughs> mint condition. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, so yeah, that, sell that. <laughs> probably could. Yeah, yeah. just got to find the pen. I could sell it for at least twelve dollars more. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, Manny's baseball. And did you guys get catalogs uh, for sports memorabilia? No, man. I like that was something that like it. it it, I, I subscribed to Beckett, which is yeah, same one of here. the things sure. I, I was going to segue into that. That was one of the things I, I got, you know, that was basically that. I want to say for a little while, I might have subscribed to Tough Stuff. Do you guys remember that? Tough Stuff. Yes. Do you remember yes. Tough Stuff? Yes. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. They were that, like a like a crappy Beckett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely. I remember. Yeah, tough stuff. Oh, yeah. man. Tough Stuff. That's. Oh man! So yeah, that was gonna be my uh, my next number, my number. Oh, I'd say 90. go for it. Use the same. Yeah. yeah, Beckett, man, it was the best. I like you were with that catalog. I was with Beckett every month, like waiting. No, explain to our Beckett. audience what Beckett is. So right. Beckett, for those that do not know, was a price guide. Is a price guide. I have no idea if they still actually make it. Um, but it was like the gateway of how you knew what cards were worth, or they would also have little articles about what cards were hot, what cards were not. Um, 
they'd have little articles about like how to spot counterfeit cards because that was yeah. like huge. Everybody's ever like all the oh. famous rookie cards were getting counterfeited at that time. And then um and then the back was the updated price guide. You know? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. the the price guide was it, man. You would just look in there and you'd be like, "Oh, my card has an up arrow next." Oh to yeah, it. yeah, right. They would have the up and the down. You're yeah. like, "Oh, <laughs> book the cruise." Ah. Keep, keep swinging, Juan Gonzalez. Keep swinging. <laughs> yeah, looking, uh, but now I think if you looked in an, a new issue, all the cards would have down arrows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I assume after a while they stopped printing the arrows when most of them were down arrows. <laughs> Got to keep morale high. <laughs> so like, you, don't, you don't want everybody to cash out. <laughs> like originally it was just baseball, but like Beckett became so popular that there was Beckett football and I remember no, there was hockey basketball. Too. Yeah, there yeah, was yeah, hockey. Beckett yeah, and so yeah, it, it was uh, it was a uh, pound puppies. Finally, a pound puppies reference. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I also had the Beckett Masters of the Universe as well because I had a lot of Masters. Yeah, of the yeah. Those are probably worth more now than they are your baseball cards. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like I, I kept maybe like over the course of you know however many I got all those years, but like I had kept maybe like a half dozen Becketts that I just liked, ones that had like Ryan Sandberg on them or Cal Ripken Jr. Or there was one with like Bo Jackson stepping out of like a telephone booth in a Superman outfit. Oh, it was it was yeah it was was, I think it was an Auburn outfit. Or I don't know. Yeah, but it was like he was like dressed like Superman. You're right. Yeah. There's one where there's a Beckett where he has like a cape on and like a spandex. I know what you're talking about. And then I, 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 the only Beckett I kept was my black and white Bo Jackson one with the yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the the shoulder pads and the bat. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're they're not worth anything. (laughs) Like I was like, oh, maybe these old Becketts are worth something. No. No. Gabe, you're right. It is an um. Uh, in January of 91, Beckett was on, uh, or I'm sorry, Bo was on the cover of Beckett football uh, card monthly in an Auburn, in a Superman outfit that has the Auburn logo. Uh, logo. Okay. So, yeah, yeah we were both stepping out of a phone yeah. booth uh, with, a, with a black and silver, presumably Raiders jersey hanging on it behind him. Uh-huh. And it just says Bo in, with an exclamation point in the corner. Like, totally off topic. Do you guys remember there was, like, a cartoon on NBC for a while where it was, like, Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Wayne Gretzky? No? Yes, I do. I do. Like, it was, like, I don't, it was really short-lived, and it was only on, I think, NBC. Pro Stars. Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 And you're exactly right. Those three. It was was weird, man. It was weird. (laughs) Yeah, for some uh, reason that just totally made me think of that. <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't think. Uh, wow. All right. Gonna, there's a YouTube rabbit hole for you. I think you can find it on there. Yeah. Yeah. At least the theme song. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. Sweet. Yeah, Beckett. Yeah, I, I never. Uh, I would rarely own a Beckett. I um, I would usually just go to the card store and bum theirs and. Look up some stuff and then get down. <laughs> like get your grubby hands off that packet. Yeah. yeah. Well, it used to be it was also at the era where like everywhere had a magazine rack. Do you remember like every grocery store had a magazine rack 
full of like mm-hmm. it would literally be like a wall, an aisle of magazines. Mm-hmm. And then like it, you know, it was everywhere. Like you mm-hmm. could you could get Beckett everywhere, it seemed like for a at while. At least yeah, at least the baseball and maybe the football one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they even sold it at the little tiny Larry's IGA in Chatham. They they got Beckett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they had it in Petersburg. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, subs- I subscribed like probably like 89 to 90. Oh, you say. subscribed? Yeah, I subscribed to Beckett. Yeah, I was yeah. a subscriber. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. Uh, the bow one, the bow Jackson one, the black and white one, there was it was so coveted that like at first like I didn't get it. So like my mom had to like call Beckett <laughs> and they, they sent it special and they sent it like first class. Whoa. So like it was like for it. Yeah, it was like <laughs> in like a special like envelope and everything. It was like wow. It was such a coveted issue, you know. People were swiping the, the bow. Yeah, back. right, right. Oh yeah. That was when you could sell Beckett's for money. People like wanted to collect Beckett's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah who, good, is, is that, that the Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that should have all let us in on like a little peek into the industry for the fact that the guy that tells you what stuff is worth is now collectible. <laughs> they they have hyped up the hobby that much. You know, what there's I mean? a right. bubble here. Yeah, yeah. Right. like we all should have seen that, but we did not. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's put out a monthly glossy publication for hockey cards you know right. yeah. yeah yeah so is, is that is that the original uh usage of the bow photo with or was it the card of, of with uh, the black and white photo of him with the shoulder pads the card was a score right i think wasn't it yeah yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they just mimicked it, or it was the same photo shoot, or they or they just duplicated it for the cover. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, that card is from 1990. What what year was that issue? Uh, around the same time, June of '90. So yeah, it could have been. They could have came out together, I guess. Well, you would assume though that this that the card would have come out in say like April or. Yeah. March, you know, when when, right. when cards were originally released, True. right? Um, so yeah, maybe the card was first, and then it was so iconic that they put it on the cover. I think we need a thirty for thirty just for the photo. Well, the, a thirty for thirty short, at least. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah, Cla- all time classic sports photo, no doubt. Wonder if like in the last ten years he's ever been asked to like recreate that photo. <laughs> oh yeah, guys are like getting a selfie and you're like here, take this broom and put it on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, right. Or just like like I'm surprised like no like like no you know Sports Illustrated or some magazine or something hasn't come to him and been like let's recreate that iconic Levi photo. Levi let's. Let's start crash <laughs> baseball card shows caught with cosplay, right? And we we dress you up as Bo, and and you just walk around the entire time like that. <laughs> you, you're the Bo cosplay. It. I'll be the Billy Ripken cosplay, holding the baseball bat. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You know, this is. He never became really like a superstar. But uh, last thing about Beckett, sorry. Um, 
I mentioned Central Illinois earlier. Kevin Seitzer was on the cover of a Beckett. Well, was he was really? Yeah. 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 I, 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 I don't know if Seitzer still lives here in Kansas City, but um, he has a batting cage here. Uh, um, the Mac and Seitz batting cages. Wasn't he the Royals hitting coach for a little while? He was. Yeah. 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 You ever yeah. Hit, a, yeah. hit a bucket of balls there, Jonathan? I mean, no? I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking nice. forward to it. Yeah. Beckett, because Beckett was always, you know, really high on prospects. You know, it was like, oh, yeah. that was where I first heard, like, of Todd Van Poppel. You know, sure. um, well, and, and a lot of people think that they were, like, the ones that, like, you know what I mean? They were, like, pushing the business. They oh, were sure. The ones, sure. They were creating the hype around certain players, which then created the hype around the cards, which then got people to go to the stores to buy the packs. It was mm-hmm. like, like it, it, it was almost like legal insider trading. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right. And then they were creating these subjective price prices. And, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, get like, you get an arrow. You get a down arrow. No, you get an yeah, up yeah. arrow. Like, Are you yeah. really like calling baseball card stores around the country and polling how much they're selling each of these cards for and creating <laughs> right. an average? Right. I doubt it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that, that could have some pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I might be investigated after this episode. <laughs> well, no, there's a reason why Upper Deck, I think, isn't allowed to make like baseball cards anymore. Like they can do other sports, I believe. But like, there was a whole issue with like Upper Deck and Beckett kind of getting in trouble. I think for like almost like market. Oh. Oh, like yeah. market adjusting yeah. and fixing yeah. and yeah. all that and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we call Michael Lewis and get him on this for his next book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, M- right. MLB has an ex- they and they have had for a, a while now. Tops is exclusive. Yeah, it comes to yeah. all the MLB logos and stuff. And just in the last like five to eight years or something, Panini has come along, redoing and coming out with Don Russ cards. But they can't use any of the logos or anything. Uh, yeah, it's just not the same. Not yeah. the logo. Yeah. If my card doesn't have a little hologram on it to tell me it's not counterfeit. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> How am I supposed to know if I could really, in theory, sell it for the, as much as Beckett says I can? <laughs> exactly. I got to see that little hologram. That Did little you guys hologram. ever sell a card? Like to a shop or something? Yeah. You mean like? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Funny how like you don't know for sure if like he did. No, no. I, don't I mean, so. it's, I think all mine was buying. <laughs> our, we were, we were, ours was an economy of trades, you know. Um, right. So uh, yeah, I I don't I don't think so. Um, I remember trading like some holidays with you and our cousin Justin. Like yeah. Just would have a binder, and he was older than the both of us, so I think he would always try to dick us over on trades. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember one day I went to um, I, you guys remember B and J Coin Shop in Springfield, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That it was, was basically uh, one of the only card stores in Central Illinois at that time. It was you know, one of the first ones, and then yeah. the others came, you know, after. There were a few. It was the first, yeah. And I remember I took my book in there. And like the guy was like, "Oh well, if you leave it here overnight, um, 
you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll price it out for you. I'm like, fuck you. All right. I'm, I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm like, like these are my babies. Here. I was in like fourth, fifth grade at the time. You know, I was like, no, no. You're like, <laughs> so, uh, like, yeah, yeah, just the fact of like somebody like man, you know, handling my cards and like yeah. leaving there overnight, you know? No way. Um, yeah. So uh, that was no. So I, I, any, any thoughts I had of selling any of them just, and I think probably I just wanted to sell them to buy more cards. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it was like, what, what crossed my mind to even go in there with the book and, and with the intent of selling anything? It was probably just so I could buy more. You're like, ah, that box of Desert Storm cards is looking good. Right, right. <laughs> need all those Norman Schwarzkopf's. Uh, I did have a low point at when I was probably around 11 or 12 where i was like you know my parents had cut me off for allowance to spend on cards and i was taking in any card to you know just to trade for more packs that's all i wanted was more packs and i was it was really sad i was taking in like mag i don't know if you remember they, they had like the x-men like magneto holograms i was taking in yeah. magneto holograms to trade and merle's looking at me like dude what are you what are you thinking no like, what are you doing kid what are you doing you're throwing away your life kid <laughs> I'm not going to give you a Magneto for a Kevin Moss, okay? <laughs> All right. Come on. <laughs> uh, those were the days. Good shit. <laughs> shit. God, it's... Uh, we, we, what do we get through? About four items, guys? Um, so, <laughs> Down to number 91. We're at an hour. Okay. So, so everybody's going to have to like speak in haikus all right for volume volume two all right um but hey it was fun it was so i i um i i do need to uh to 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 cut her short there that's a good yes we'll stop there um our next episode will be a little more rapid fire everyone um but maybe it won't be you know um we're actually going to be taking this list into 2021. All right, everyone. So, so this we're is this, to melt this list for about 24 episodes. Right, right. So, so when we're ready for episode 200, we might be able to switch uh, switch topics. But uh, anyway, thanks for hanging out with us in this very kind of freewheeling episode. Uh, a lot of fun talking and catching up, and um, appreciate everybody uh, listening. You can find us on the Twitter at Rock and Chew. And then also you can find us uh, the same handle on Instagram, as well as if you want to listen to any episode of Rock and Roll Shinsu Chew, they're all at rockchew.com. So you can check those out there. Um, and your favorite podcast app. And your favorite podcast app. Yeah, as well. You can, you can listen to us there. Um, and then YouTube uh, as well. So yeah, a lot of different ways you can you can you can chew. So uh, until next time, uh, when we when we get to tackle a little more of this list, uh, hope everybody has a good week, and uh, we'll see you around. Thank you. So the next one hundred. <laughs>